From Milwaukee's NPR, this is Capital Notes. We break down the big political news affecting Wisconsin. I'm Mayan Silver. Each week, J.R. Ross, editor of WisPolitics.com, fields questions on what you need to know this key midterm election year. Here's our latest conversation. Hi, J.R. How are you doing today? Good. So uh, Democratic U.S. Senate candidates, they went toe-to-toe last night in a debate at Marquette. They were trying to distinguish themselves. They talked about things like inflation, abortion, gun policy. What were your key takeaways? Uh, There wasn't anything that I saw in that debate last night that would end up in a TV ad. And why I said it's important is that most debates these days, there aren't a lot of people who tune into them. I mean, you and I watched it, but... Other people have better things to do on a summer night than watch people talk about policy sometimes, unfortunately. So what happens is if you're in a debate, what you watch for is, is there a big gaffe? Is there something that people can put into a TV ad or something that will go viral and it will become a big deal to the average person who's not watching these things? And last night there really wasn't that that moment. Uh, some key things to point out is that, one, Mandela Barnes, lieutenant governor, has been the front runner in this race pretty much as he got in. Nobody took a shot at him all night long. So they held back on that. The only little sharp exchange that I saw was Tom Nelson, the Allegheny County Executive, got this little dig in on Sarah Galuski, state treasurer, because she didn't vote in 2016. He made this point that the fact that Donald Trump got three appointments to the Supreme Court was basically the fault of people who didn't turn out to vote in 2016, including Sarah. Uh, she made a point in point, noting that she's the only woman on the stage last night and had to be lectured by a man about how important 2016 was. You know, there was that dig. She also questioned where her male rivals were on reproductive rights prior to Roe v. Wade being overturned by the Dobbs decision. So she's the only one talking about it last fall and early winter when Roe v. Wade being overturned wasn't uh, really on people's minds. Kind of saying, hey, where were you guys? But beyond that, most of their digs were focused on Ron Johnson. He stands in the way of things like codifying abortion rights, a fairer economy, or issues that are important to Democrats. Okay, so was there any, you know, state GOP response to the Democratic Senate debate? Yeah, just they're not focused on the right things. They're not talking about inflation or the situation at the U.S.-Mexican border, that these guys are radical, out of touch. You know, these only these buzzwords to try and paint them as outside the mainstream and that Ron Johnson's fighting for Wisconsin. So a pretty straightforward uh, response to the debate, nothing you wouldn't uh, not expect from Republican about Democrats talking about uh, their views on issues. Some some national outlets have suggested, though, that current, you know, Ron Johnson, who's currently in the seat, is one of the top 10 in the country to possibly flip. What are his biggest headwinds at this point? Well, he's not done the work to kind of boost his numbers. I mean, I say Ron Johnson doesn't work. I mean, he's on national news quite a bit. He pushes bills. He is always trying to fire off letters about the Biden administration or hold them accountable to things. But there are certain things you do as a senator to kind of, you know, get better known to your constituents, like going to various places in Wisconsin and doing public events. And, you know, Johnson does events, but often he speaks to the, the party base. He does, you know, party events and is preaching the choir, as people say. He hasn't done the things that will really kind of get his name out there and kind of let people know who he is. So they kind of forget about him a little bit. And then all they see is, you know, negative publicity about controversial comments on COVID-19 or various things like that. And it kind of sticks with people that he's raising these things that people would call conspiracy theories. It's it's helped contribute to a difficult environment for him because it should, honestly, like it looks like a decent year for Republicans this fall. They have a lot of things in their favor. 
The party in power in the White House almost always struggles in interim elections. But here you have a guy who's a Republican and what should be a good Republican year who's even uh, with his Dem rivals. You know, that's not a great place to be after being an incumbent for, you know, more than 11 years. He's got his work cut out for him. That said, the environment's in his favor. Some of these things, these fundamentals about the race are in his favor. And he's raising more money than the other ones, other candidates. He's got of outside support this time versus six years ago. So there are definitely things that make him possibly even a favorite to win right now. Well, that's what I was going to say. Actually, the financial reports came out this week, and the AP reported that Johnson has collected about $7 million in donations in the second quarter, more than all four of the Democrats running against him combined. Is that the case? Yeah, but that that includes both his personal campaign account and this joint fundraising agreement that gets him the $7.1 million. Now, Alex Lasry, for example, he had $7 million in receipts during the quarter, but of that $6.5 million came from himself. So it takes his total investment in the race to more than $12 million. So he's putting the money in to match Johnson, but it's not coming from other people. It's coming from him. Looking beyond August, I don't want to say it like flippantly, but I kind of don't care what the candidates raise in Wisconsin post-August. I don't care if they're broke. On August 10th. The reason I say that is because the outside groups are going to spend so much money, and I mean so much money. It doesn't necessarily make the candidates irrelevant, but if you're Mandela Barnes or Alec Lazary or Sarah Galuski and you spend every last dime you have to win the Democratic nomination, you're going to have resources the day after the primary because the outside groups are going to come in and help you out. That's a big difference from years past where we saw things like in 2012, Tommy Thompson got through a primary, um, nearly, nearly won that. For U.S. Senate, got beat up quite a bit and didn't have a lot of resources the day after. It allowed Tammy Baldwin to help define Tommy Thompson for voters and really put him in a hole that he never got out of the rest of that campaign. Okay, so switching to some uh, other big news that came out this week, Milwaukee moved another step closer to hosting the 2024 Republican National Convention. The site selection committee unanimously recommended that it be held here over Nashville. The full committee will make the decision within the next few weeks at the GOP summer meeting. Uh, What impact could this decision have in Wisconsin politically? Well, it'd be interesting to watch because there's no guarantee that if you put your national convention in a state, you'll win that state. It's a very mixed record on that front for the political parties the last two decades. That said, you know, Democrats made a symbolic move to come to Milwaukee for 2020 to kind of rebuild the blue wall, Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania. They lost those three states in 2016. That's what lost in the presidency. They wanted to show that, hey, we're committed to those voters in those states. We're committed to winning back those states. And we're coming to Milwaukee as a message about our commitment. And they didn't come because of COVID. It went to a virtual convention. For Republicans, it's an opportunity to say, look, the Democrats have abandoned you. We're, we're not. We came to be there for you, much like they make the argument of rural America. Uh, Democrats have abandoned you. They're not paying attention to your needs. We are. Real America, you know, quote unquote, real America. We're here for you. Now, what will be interesting to watch with this convention, when it comes, if it comes to Milwaukee, is what's the message going to be? And will they focus on going forward or backward? Why I bring that up is Donald Trump. So people assume that Trump's going to run again for president. If Trump is the nominee in 2024, if he's in Wisconsin, giving his acceptance speech, will he, will he resist the temptation to relitigate 2020 and sit up there and claim, I, I won Wisconsin. We know he didn't. He lost by 21,000 votes. 
if he did something like that, it'd keep them looking backward, not forward, and they would make a lot of Republicans just kind of like, ugh, this is not the message we want. Now, this is projecting way ahead, right? We're a long ways away from Milwaukee securing the convention for sure, for knowing that the nominee is, but you set the stage possibly for that scenario where Trump looks back and not forward, and you never want to look back in a campaign. You always be looking forward and offering kind of a, a vision for the future, not complaining about the past. All right. Well, JR, a lot to think about. Thanks for joining us on Lake Effect. Thanks for joining me on WEWM. Thank you so much. Hey, anytime. Have a great day. Listen for our segments every Monday and check out the Capital Notes podcast. Special thanks goes out to Marty Michelson, former WUWM reporter and founding host of Capital Notes. I'm Ayan Silver.